Hey, Jack, what time is the game this weekend? Ooh, I don't know. I don't have a watch. You don't, you say? I don't. I know where you can get one. That is at LaTerrain.com. They have some of the best watches out there. Really? Yeah, and if you put O-T-O-P in the discount code, you can get 10% off. 10%? Yeah. For a watch? Exactly. That's a lot of dough. L-A-T-O-U-R-A-I-N-E.com. That's LaTerrain.com. This is Justin Vincent. You're listening to One Team, One Podcast. This is a banded On this episode of One Team, One Podcast, we discuss coaching changes at LSU and the candidates involved. We also talk some round ball as the Tigers start conference play. Shake it up. Shake it up. I showed you what the GOAT was last year when we beat y'all 50 to 7. Relax, big boy. Team one podcast? One team one podcast? Yeah, they did a good job. Mm -hmm. Really good job. Yeah. Why is he so fat? One team one podcast. One team one podcast. One team one podcast. All right, guys, welcome back to episode 51. 51. Do we have a 51? This is where it's going to get a little tougher, I think. I got nothing. I can't think of anybody that's a 51 on top I of got, my head. I got nothing. Um, well, lots going on. We haven't... Oh, uh, Dare Rosenthal. There you go. Well, there you go. Dare Rosenthal. Is he coming back? We'll get to that. We'll uh, get to that. Yeah, well, yeah, that's... Um, all right, so lots happening. Um, mm-hmm. Since the last time we talked, I guess there's not been any coaching changes, but I know today we were, there was some big news with Austin Thomas coming back. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I know and, uh, Nader's going right. Sam Nader's Nader. retiring, um, and there's a lot of like scuttlebutt about different coaches and mm-hmm. um, who we may be looking at in different areas. So what we're going to do today is bring on Preston Guy from yeah. TigerBait.com. And we'll throw around some names. I don't think mm-hmm. there's anything definite with anybody right mm-hmm. now as far as who's been talking to who. Yeah. But we'll be able to kind of just do a little round table and kind of go over some options yeah. in this different is, categories. Yeah. This has been one of the quietest coaching carousels I've ever I was been talking around. to somebody today that's a little bit of an insider, and he was uh-huh. saying the same thing where it was like, this has been very quiet, yeah. and he's, ve- he's being very patient with these, which mm-hmm. is the right move. Yeah, right it now. is. It is. And I think part of that's because like we're not in a bowl game. Right. So, like, you know. There's nothing else to do. Well, I think with a lot to, of coordinator hires, like, you sometimes you have to wait until after the bowl game to hire them. Well, I think we are waiting. Especially after know, the bowl games uh, a couple of days ago. Tomorrow night? Yeah. Something uh, like that? Yeah. I'm hoping yeah, uh, yeah. that's one of the holdups. Uh-huh. Um, but before we do all that, we want to thank our sponsors. You just heard from uh, La Terrain Watches, but also um, we got to talk about Courtesy Buick GMC, Courtesy automotive group in Lafayette. Brandon Lejean has been really awesome to us uh, in our podcast. And we um, we want to encourage you guys to go check him out and check out his Facebook page. He posts deals all the time on his Facebook page. He actually had a, um, a 2014 BMW that just came in. Um, it, it looked like a, an odd, like, I guess, trade that they took into the dealership. Mm-hmm. And it was um, 
lower miles for a 2014. I mean, it was, they were selling it for like 14,000 or something like it was a BMW, like four door sedan looking really nice. Mm -hmm. Uh, but little deals like that, you're only going to be able to find them on his Facebook page. Uh, and they'll probably sell it pretty, pretty fast. So if you check them out there, also guys, if you're in, uh, Baton Rouge, New Orleans, Shreveport, anywhere in Louisiana, uh, I'm sure he does some business in Texas as well. Uh, reach out to them anyway. Uh, they can deliver cars to you. So uh, pretty convenient now, especially with COVID-19. We got COVID-20 maybe coming. COVID-21, who I'm knows? In. I'm in. I'm all in. SARS V234. <laughs> I mean, it's ridiculous. Yeah. Um, also check out Bear Process Safety, guys. We want you to be safety um, safety insured, especially with uh, COVID season and everything. So check out Bear Process Safety. Um, check out the big orange bear. Uh, that's bearps.com. You guys that are in the plant and industry uh, fields, go check him out. Um, yeah. Thank you. For, you pointed at my button. Um, check him out. Uh, he will talk to your safety managers, get you guys on a plan. Uh, they're filling up for 2021. He may be actually already filled for 2021 would take in different uh, deals, but that just means they'll hire new people. So check out the bear. Uh, he will help you guys out with your process safety. All right. With that being said, guys, we are going to bring on Preston Guy with TigerBait.com, and here he is. So here's Preston Guy. What's up, Preston? What's going on, guys? Not much, man. Um, we are in the middle of this is like actually one of my favorite times, which is uh, coaching changes. Yeah, coaching carousel. The season. coaching carousel. That's a good yeah. name for mm -hmm. it. Yeah. Um, that's what they call it in NTA fourteen. Is that? It's a weird. It's like the the carousel has started for LSU, mm -hmm. but they're behind in the process because they got to wait for you know, wait for it to go around for everybody else. Everybody's in bowl games. Yeah, yeah. we're usually on the – we're usually the ones after the bowl games. Right. So, you're right. yeah. Yeah, we were just talking before you came on that, you know, we're – I'm anxiously waiting the end of the Cincinnati game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah no, really. like that's, a, that's a big deal. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, like, they're just – everything's kind of on pause. Usually they'd be hurrying. In fact, usually – don't they usually wait to fire coaches until like February because their season ends yeah. in January? Well, and, and how how important? Yeah, how important is the early signing day now compared to what it used to be? Yeah. I mean, oh, nail all true. these, get them all signed as many as you can, and that way you can make these decisions. And unfortunately, these guys are locked in now. So yeah. even well, if I mean, they were still, worried, they still been kind of waiting. Like, you know, most changes, they're kind of, because my... Uh, Goodness gracious. I got one, too. Hold on. Hold up. There you go. <laughs> Let me turn my text messages off here. Hey, we can edit this out, right, guys? Sure. Absolutely. Absolutely, we can. We yes. won't. <laughs> we won't. <laughs> we have the ability to, yes. <laughs> well, look, uh, hey, that's just my laptop. It's giving me a reminder. So I either pick to hear y'all or not hear my laptop. Uh, whatever. You can do both. It's What's whatever. What's that recording? Um... But yeah, no, it's kind of strange. They're not waiting till February. They're they're getting made. They're taking some time to evaluate the pool, and mm -hmm. we'll see. There, I know they're gonna go with defense on the defensive side of the ball first for sure. Yes, I, and I think that's the priority, right? Like, of course, um, defensive coordinator to me. To me, there was so much toxicity on the defensive side of the ball. Um, <laughs> I mean, you just had I. 
this is all just me somewhat speculating, but I like to speculate like I, like I told you today. Um, it seemed like there was a lot of coaches that were disagreeing with each other. There was a lot of players going over coaches' backs. There was a lot of like turmoil on the defensive side of the ball. And you didn't see that as much on the offensive side, which there still may have been some of that. Right. But um, Polini and Bush sound like they're, I don't know if they're being scapegoated now or anything like that, but they sounded like they, they, they just weren't in there. They weren't in there with the, with the players and, and connecting with these guys. And they, they lost trust at some point. Well, it's an interesting angle you bring up because outside of just X's and O's, there were other things that came up. You know, I don't want to get too far into the politics of stuff, mm-hmm. but right. uh, you know, there, you know, where we all are very well aware that there were some vocal, you know, uh, uh, movements going on yeah. uh, this summer, and you know, movement that particularly impacted the players pretty mm-hmm. strongly. And you know, there was word that there was, you know, I don't want to call it turmoil, but maybe a little bit of scuttlebutt, you know, disconnect between the coaches and the players and that, Yeah. you know, and maybe there was a bit of a disconnect. I think a lot of times it's a bit of a tough ask when you, you know, uh, demographically, when you just have someone like maybe Bo Pelini, who's just so drastically different mm-hmm. yeah. from 18, 20 year old players, you know, just the demographics are very different. Um so, you know, not to say that you can't, I mean, you usually don't want to play identity politics. You want to get the best available, but I'm going to tell you this, if they can find a young, energetic African-American coach, that's a big plus yep. for Ogeron and this, uh, this staff. In fact, they've always tried to at least have a handful of those on staff, if nothing else, just to recruit the New Orleans area. Right. So, uh, we talked a little bit about that on Tiger Bait, and it's never a fun angle to discuss, but it's sure. an angle that's present there for the coaches, for sure. Absolutely. Yeah, and I, I'm thinking of uh, – so this, we'll, we'll throw around some of the names for, for defensive coordinator. Um, and I think the first one that everybody – sort of started with well there i guess there were a few but one of them was just because he's completely available is Derek mason right at vanderbilt yeah. um yeah. i mean that would be a plug i mean that'd be very simple but yeah let me ask y'all this do you really do, do you think part of bo Pelini's problem was maybe that he hadn't actually coordinated a defense since 2007 I think that I think yeah, that had probably. something to do with it. I think there was a few problems that he had, which was that um, I don't think he was completely invested in his job, um, and I also think that he didn't connect with any of the players, nor did he try. Um, so, are you saying a one hundred percent guaranteed seven point five million dollar contract? might not lead to the coach being the most motivated man on the planet. Yeah, right. yeah. absolutely. <laughs> like I, it, it's, it's baffling. That is completely well, baffling. To me in retrospect, I criticized it a little bit at the time, but I was like, well, you know, he's a championship coordinator. They mm-hmm. must've liked yeah. him. I'm right. just like, how the heck did he pull off a $2.3 million annual contract? I don't know. percent guaranteed. It goes back to like, okay, 2019, did a lot of great things, obviously, for the program. But some of the things that it did do is give us all this trust with Ogeron and Woodward making these kind of decisions. And, you know, they obviously are, you know, they, you know, their championship caliber program now. And, uh, you know, and then even going into the NFL draft, I was like, oh, my God, let's just throw a parade. All these guys are going to the draft and everybody's getting drafted. And now you're like, wait, 
some of these guys could have come back this year, right? Yeah. Like you started thinking about all that success that we had and how now you can kind of view it as, oh, that wasn't, that wasn't very good. Some um, things definitely kind of went the wrong way. I don't think anybody expected like a repeat type season. And, and look, to be honest, like a lot of what our perception of the team is, is like, I oh, yeah. I raised my hand. Okay. Well, anybody reasonable didn't expect a repeat. Okay. So, um, but, you know, the team actually wasn't quite as bad as what we all had this perception of midseason. Remember, when you lost Bama, you're looking at your three and five, and you just got throttled twice, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. and it, it's looking pretty bad. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I mean, the team finished respectable five and five that's not terrible and you're a couple you're literally one yard away from beating missouri they're six and four maybe if they had had their act together a couple plays here and there against mississippi state we're talking seven and three Eh, that was a that was a heisman performance by kj costello i mean he's all sec caliber yeah player Mm -hmm. i looked really smart really (laughs) smart for like one week Like I was like on cloud nine, I was like, I told y'all I came on this show and the dude hung six twenty three mm-hmm. week one. You, were, you had your chest puffed out. I know. That's why they pay me the medium bucks. <laughs> Let's yeah. go. And then like he didn't do anything. Like ever yeah. again. Nah, he yeah. just broke the SEC passing record, right. which just kind of shows how bad that defense and I think was. he threw six wow. interceptions the next week. Is that right? I think so. Against Arkansas? And he almost got benched, well, I think. And then he, he scored zero points against Kentucky and got benched. Yeah. I mean, right. Like that, the week after that. I mean, mm-hmm. oof, man. But yeah. uh, it just goes to show you how crazy SEC can be. But anyways, certainly by end of year, one of the things I was calling for midseason was, why don't we give Max Johnson a shot? I thought they gave TJ Finley a shot way too long. They were – you know, I understand South Carolina. He was incredible, but a lot of people were incredible against South Carolina yeah. this year, and they really just stuck with him way, way, way too long. And really, it's a detriment to him at a certain point. Because right, you're throwing you him kill to the wolves. Confidence, right, you know, like shake it up a little bit. Whereas Max Johnson, he was getting mop up duty, but I was like, he's just doing what they're asking him to do. Yeah, he had he he looked like he had a lot of control of the offense, and maybe not he doesn't have the skill set probably that. Well, I shouldn't say that because I think he's got different kind of skill. He doesn't have the arm strength. I should just say I have no problem saying that Johnson does not have the raw talent that DJ Finley does. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. I mean, he reminds me so much of Jamarcus Russell, and I think that they looked at that and said, well. How many of our plays can we call with this guy versus mm-hmm. that guy? Well, apparently they thought that there were like three plays they could call with Max Johnson because when they did give him a shot, they called like a Tim Tebow playbook. Remember that against yeah. Texas A&M? Mm-hmm. That, that was whatever. So anyways, with the way the team was playing with Max Johnson in at the end, I think they beat you know um, uh, Texas A&M for sure that game. I mean, because if they had just – been able to do anything just not turn the ball over mm-hmm. <laughs> that's a win in yeah. my opinion but um you know so you look at this team and doesn't it compare pretty pretty favorably with that 08 team that's yeah that's what i was saying uh i mean just they went three and ago. five in the sec uh-huh yeah so you get four rena wins although they texas probably wouldn't have been a rena win this no. year but you get what i'm saying it's probably you know, seven and five like that yeah you, we're talking about an eight and five ish season yeah. so they aren't really that that far off but there is a ton of pressure anytime your defense is 
KJ Costello Heisman front runner week one bad. Yeah, right. Okay. It's a new category of bad we've created. Mm-hmm. Um, every the, the, people want to say, well, was it personnel? He didn't really have the personnel. No, he didn't have the personnel, but right. you can't have a guy who, you know, literally didn't score a point against Kentucky come in and break the sec record. Right. Yeah. Everything is the problem when it's that bad. Just like, 2019 okay was it joe brady was it joe burrow was it the offensive line no, it was, was it, everything no it's, it's everything when Correct. things are historically mm-hmm. good or historically bad it's everything it's not a brady or Billichick issue it's a little yeah. bit of fuck right. you know what i mean yep. so that's you know so they got a defensive coordinator they have got to get a home run and to be quite frank you break down ogeron hires they kind of fall into like three categories that mm-hmm. i've noticed okay you got the the chalk hire, okay. The who's the very first name we all were talking about? Okay, cool. He just brings him in, Matt Canada. All right. Yeah. Then you've got the oh, I know a guy hires the right. Oh yeah, we go back here. The you know who was that running back coach? Uh, uh they they let go last year. Frank, or anyway, Tommy Tommy oh, Robinson. Tommy, Tommy Robinson. Robinson right. Yeah, yeah from USC. USC days or something mm-hmm. like that. The I know a guy that mm-hmm. I'm comfortable with him hires the good old boy hires. We'll sure. call him that. Then mm-hmm. Ogeron's second most popular. And then there's the, well, there's a recruit I want hire. The Bill Bush, go get me Joe um, Burrow hire. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yep. So, you know, mixed bag of results, but we tend to see what's happening to the guys once you get the recruit. Hey, Scott Lanahan, can you help us land Garrett Nussmeyer? Yeah, cool. Mm-hmm. All one, right. Yep. Adios. <laughs> you yeah. know? Uh, so uh, it'll be interesting to see what direction he goes. He can't afford to really miss no, I don't think so either. And I and going back to kind of what you were talking about with the season, I I just felt like you know, we were 3 and 5 going to Florida. I felt like the Florida game was such a huge 180 for this program. And I think for a lot of ways, I mean, I was hearing rumors and I'm sure you were too, of some of the things that could have been happening if we would got blasted by Florida and none of them sounded good. Um, tell you that. And all those kind of stopped after Florida, right? Like everything kind of stopped. Um, you know, nobody opted out. Uh, we, right. you know, we played the Ole Miss game. We, we get oh, out of there with a win. I mean, who was going to opt out? Keyshawn Butte? <laughs> like, there wasn't anything left. Like right. literally I know. Like, there was, I mean, and Derek Stingley Jr. kind of got hurt and didn't play. I mean, mm-hmm. if you look at that Ole Miss game, I mean, I think there was one or two starters from the national championship. Right. So to just to address the whole people complaining, though, Alabama reloads every year. Sure. Bama never had as much to reload as Ogeron had to reload with this yeah. year. So right. I do give them a pass because – you never saw an Alabama team have to replace 20 starters. No, now here. Okay. Cause this is and kind a pair of, of play callers. Think about that too. I get it. Um, and, and I'm Without not trying season. to, I'm not trying to compare the two programs and say, okay, if these guys came back, we would have been at Alabama's level, but you look at Alabama's offensive line and you take Alex Leatherwood and you take uh, Landon Dickerson they got Evan Neal on the other side, who was a sophomore. So it was a stud, but you kept these two. One of them was a redshirt senior. You kept these two seniors that could be easily in the NFL draft, but you kept them from going out in the draft and being third-round picks. Like, we were just celebrating these guys, leaving and being third- and fourth-round picks. And I'm like, I, I don't 
I don't understand why you're able to keep those guys, but we can't keep our guys. And what would this offensive line look like if you had Sadiq Charles, Lloyd Cushenberry, and, you know, you had studs still coming back. I mean, how much of a difference would that have made on a team like this? That's kind of what I go back and look at and say, okay, you might not be that many guys coming back, but these are good guys. Like, obviously, Lloyd Cushenberry is starting in the NFL, so I understand that, but – Come on. Like, he's a third-round pick. Do a reasonable kind of guess for what you might have been, even with the defensive struggles? I mean, if you have everybody who with this LSU team who, quote, should have been there, you mm-hmm. know, like, okay, you're probably never going to keep Clyde Edwards-Elair. Sure, I, absolutely. Not, right. But yeah, yeah, Jacob Justin Phillips? Go pro, man. That's the right call. For sure. Absolutely. You know, you know, you keep guys maybe like Jacob Phillips. Right. Yeah. Sure. You think Jacob Phillips would have made a difference this year. Heck sure. yeah. Kerry Vincent Jr. You think Kerry Vincent Jr. would have made a difference? Massive, not now? massive difference because, I mean, you saw that corner depth. I yeah. Mean, my yeah. God. I mean, it, 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 and it seems like Dwight McGlothern, you know, really kind of came on at the yeah. right time. I right. Mean, we saw how just thin that position got. Yep. Yeah. I mean, I think it's very reasonable. Now, I think, you know, Auburn and Bama clearly had LSU's number when they played. Yeah. Um, but I, I definitely think that there was a definite uh, psyche of the team that was just completely shot. Um, Ogeron's never going to go up and make excuses for anything, but my God, I mean, you literally cannot make any more excuses for a guy. There's so many of them, right? you know, um, I think one of the things I was talking about, in fact, I ta- I asked Ogeron post game Bama if, you know, if he thinks that is, has he had to have conversations with recruits explaining this is not where the program is, you know, this is, you know, just, it's a one-year hiccup. He says recruits aren't even asking about it. They're, I mean, and I talked to a recruit just the other day and he said, yeah, I am worried about them. They're, they're, they're fine. They're, they're, they, mm-hmm. we understand it's a, a, an odd year. So perception of the program hasn't changed yet. You have but another down year next, next year. Yes, exactly. I mean, and usually it starts to change. Yeah. Um, all right, so let's talk about Derek Mason was one of the first names that I had thought about. And, and yeah. a lot to what you were saying, like demographically wise, like, I mean, this guy commands respect, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I could see him and like a Corey Raymond bring in a good defensive line coach. And we'll talk about that in a second, too. But like maybe have a, a, some some real juice on the defensive side. And you have yeah. a bunch of guys who want to play hard for those coaches. And that's. Yeah. I don't know too much about his style because, you know, the last time he was a defensive coordinator was Stanford for crying out loud. So, right. So I think somebody like that was the first guy that I thought of. First of all, he also has head coaching experience in the SEC. So that's always going to be a valuable plus. And I I think, honestly, I think Ogeron needs a little bit of that too. Um, But what what do you think about a guy like him? I Um, think he would be a very average hire. You know, I, I think you need to start getting these guys on your staff, but just because they were former head coach doesn't mean you just need to put them one step down, you know, to D.C. You know, start stockpiling these guys. Charlie Strong, know. example, right. at Alabama. That's yeah. uh, an analyst. Like that. Yeah, uh, Butch Jones at Alabama. That's well, so, you know, what was funny when uh, Alabama had this COVID crisis and where all the coaching staff, they had guys on the coaching staff that wouldn't be able to coach against LSU. Um, and they were like, well, we're going to have to bring down a couple of analysts down from the uh, from the booth, and they're going to be on-field assistants now. Oh, yeah, by the way, one of them is Charlie Strong. <laughs> <laughs> like, jeez. <laughs> let, let me tell you 
with um, I, I don't think there's much interest in Derek Mason. Mm. Uh, I, think I think Derek Mason has interest in LSU. <laughs> and there's guys who are available. Like, Will Muschamp seems like he'd be a strictly better hire. I mean, we're talking about a guy who's won multiple championships as a coordinator and has been a defensive coordinator more recently because people forget he was defensive coordinator at Auburn right? mm-hmm. in 2015 when Wasn't Leonard Fournette they weren't um, that good though uh, massacred him. Yes. yes. <laughs> um, so, but that wasn't a great defense that year. But I mean, that wasn't a great team really at sure. Auburn. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, so uh, that to me seems like okay with him. Not to mention Muschamp used to coach at LSU. Mm-hmm. You know, I used to work in the SID with Bonnet, and I know Bonnet. Michael Bonnet loves loves him. Yeah, he yeah. cried. <laughs> he, I don't want to say cry, but he kind of shed a cheer when Muschamp got fired at Florida. We were in the office, and it's like he's made some friends there. Yeah. Um, so that's a guy who, if you're going to go for the available and big name guy, it seems like he's just strictly better. And but I don't think they want to go that direction. Yeah, and I, I think if you compare this, just these two, and I know these aren't even like our A list guys yet, but like Mason and and Muschamp, to me, Muschamp is a little bit more of an in your face kind of guy. Like yeah. not that Derek Mason isn't, but I I'm looking at somebody that's really going to relate to these kids and get them to play well for them. Um, and Polini was loved by all of his teammates in t- 2007, but uh, you know, um, something went wrong. Yeah. But I don't think well, Muschamp has a problem relating like to players. Cause I think when he got uh, fired, even at South Carolina just now, uh, I think a lot of his players were like, Oh, well I'm going to, I'm going to miss coach Muschamp and all that. Yeah. I, so I, I still think he 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 relates to his players well. Yeah, still but we've today. all heard Jacob Pastor and Matt Flynn talk about how loved Bo Pelini Sure, was. but that was 13, you know, 14 years ago. Think 13 years, a guy can change a lot. He was a lot more wrinkly uh, in the 2020 version. Yeah, you know, right. Yeah. A lot different, you know, and not to mention just – He didn't bring any of the wrinkles onto the field, though, is the problem. Is that what yeah, you're saying? Uh, <laughs> oh well, that would be nice if he brought some of those people. But he looked older and tired and stuff. And you know, I think that buyout life had really changed him as a person. You know, it's it, I can only imagine what it's like. You know, you know, barely trying at a small school. Mm-hmm. You know, and collecting a multi-million dollar buyout each and every year. Right. Yeah. Wait until that runs out, and then just okay. Well, I was making two fifty k at Youngstown State, and let's go cash out. Let's go do two point three million. Yeah, and then so, the LSU's like, "Hey, do you want to negotiate down this buyout?" And he's like, "Sure, whatever." Yeah, <laughs> like Muschamp, but you also, I mean, even if Bo Pelini was a likable guy, you know, you still have to do more than be likable you know you gotta you know you gotta find put guys in the right position and clearly he was not able to do that i didn't see one thing he did defensively where i was impressed all year mm-hmm. like there was not one moment where i'm like that was really smart personnel decision he made in fact the personnel decisions like you could question a lot you know that dwight mcglother you know maybe they waited too long to get him out yeah. there because he looks solid you know yeah. they're, 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 don't get me started on Jacoby Stevens blitzes. Like, oh, yeah, uh, yeah. you know, there was just a lot of very, it took a little too long to get Baskerville things. out there too. So, yeah. I want, I think most fans would agree. You want a defensive coordinator that is proving right now that he can coordinate against modern offenses with success, you know? And I think yep. most other factors will probably take a back seat to that. So, okay, let's move on to, Marcus Freeman. Right. I think it's probably all of our favorite 
uh, candidate. Would you say that too, Preston? Yeah, I, I'd say Marcus Freeman's definitely the number one name. He should be an affordable hire, which mm-hmm. is another factor that, you know, we've all seen the Brooks Cabina report and whatnot, no matter how popular or unpopular it is. You yeah. know, I mean, 80 million shortfall changes things financially. Yes. You know, mm-hmm. it just does, period. Um, now, whether you get a big time donor who says, this is my check, and you get this contingent upon <laughs> making a big time hire. Yep that that's probably what they would need to make something happen. But Marcus Freeman should be affordable, very outbiddable. He's young, former NFL player. Uh, His defense ranks eighth in the country at Cincinnati. Although the downside to him is it's Cincinnati, you know, Um, and you know, they didn't play a super high level of competition, but then he didn't get to necessarily recruit a super high level of player. So he just kind of coordinated against what he was asked to, uh, they've been pretty good, but he's very high energy and considered an up and comer and a bright mind, uh, you know, and demographically he would gel very well with mm-hmm. the team, which yeah. would kind of, you know, it, you know, recent, it's a, it's a recent former player. player. So yeah, I, I think I heard Jacob Hester talking about it on the radio today. He actually played in the 2007 national championship game or 2008, I should say. Um, and went to the pros. And so he's really coming off of a a career that he had not too long ago as well. But one of the things that I I was thinking about with Marcus Freeman is, first of all, if he did come here, how long would he stay here? Um, And then the second thing is, um, is he waiting for the Cincinnati job to open up if Luke Fickle leaves? Right. Well, you'd have to see. I mean, right. and that would obviously be something else you probably couldn't outbid for, you mm-hmm. know, uh, Cincinnati if their head coach. A head right, coaching right. position, right. Right. That'd be that'd be tough, even if, if LSU had more money. Yeah. I mean, most guys, you know, don't want to pass up head coach positions, you know. So, yeah, we'd have to see on that. Also, LSU won't be the only team to come knocking for mm-hmm. him. Right. Which you know, I'm not I'm, – if it's a D.C. position, I'm not – uh, I'm okay with it because I, I feel like we can we can match anybody's money um, for another DC that. position. You should be. You should yes. be able right. to match right. money. And other schools have gotten hit hard financially too. But I mean, the real is this, the the realistic situation at LSU is okay. You just um, you uh, you just paid Bo Pelini five point five million dollars. That's on top of a massive spending, you know, $80 million loss of revenue this year, you know, it's, that cost, you know, I mean, they laid off people in the athletics department. Sure. Their director yeah. of marketing is no longer there. I know, I know. He did a very good job. <laughs> yeah. You know, and that's, it's real life. So I don't know. Like I said, the big time spending at LSU, the outbid everyone, mm-hmm. the, really that's Ogeron's formula. I mean, it, it was in his, his binder was we're going to hire elite coordinators. I'm not going to do the X's and O's. I'm going to do everything else very well. That was when he was a lower paid head coach as well, which is not the case anymore, obviously. He's uh, changed a little bit. Let's put it like this. The financials have changed a bit, but the Mm formula is still the same. Yep. Yeah. You know, so he's got to, he's got to go make it happen. You know, I mean, he didn't negotiate for that contract just to say, well, the contract's going to cost me wins now. You know yeah, what I mean? Right. I don't think that was part of the negotiations. It was the expectation was still the same when he was asking for big money. So, you know, uh, Freeman would be uh, uh, probably a very high grade hire, mm-hmm. very good, you know, 
a lot of times you'd like to say, oh, well, I'd like someone with more experience, but the realistic situation is, I mean, experience isn't necessarily a good thing. You just hired a very experienced coordinator, right? very experienced veteran, but the offenses have changed dramatically over 10 years. You want guys who've been doing it the last five years, and right. there's just yeah. not a ton of guys who have been a high-level defensive coordinator for a decade plus, you know, and stayed at that level, at that pay grade. You know, you had guys like Dave Aranda who fit that. Yeah. But see what happens with guys like that. They tend to, yeah. to move up. So I, I think Marcus Freeman would be a pretty good hire. Will they get him? We'll have to see. Yeah. So who else do you have on your short list? If Preston Guy was the head coach at LSU. <laughs> well, uh, if Preston Guy was the head coach. I would be your OC. I way believe. too much money to be on this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> But guys, I'm looking at, so, you know, uh, we went through Muschamp, we went through uh, Derek Mason, Marcus mm-hmm. Freeman, Jim Leonard yeah. yeah, is another good So one. Uh, like, let me ask you about Jim Leonard at Wisconsin, obviously. he. So is it more of a 3-4 scheme that they're running right now, though? Yes. Now, I talked about this literally uh, on our post-game show for Tiger Bait, like after the Ole Miss game, and people bring up, well, he's a, he's a three, four and Ogeron wants to run a four, three right now. LSU's roster right now. What do you have a better personnel to run a three, four or a four, three? What are right, So three, it's a three, four, right? It, it was really a three, four before the season started until we ran off guys yep, because yeah. they didn't fit in our scheme. So if yep. you're going to tell me now, you're going to go back to a three, four and I've, gone away from my stubborn bullheaded days of trying to jam a, a, a square peg through a round hole. Like I'm, I'm going to be, I'm going to ask you some tough questions. Mm-hmm. Um, it, yeah, that's possible. I mean, that would make the Bo Pelini hire a really big boo boo. Yeah. Like, you know, but ultimately, okay. What would be easier for having a good defense next year? I mean, the answer is unequivocally. It's a three, four. I yeah, mean, I, I'm I'm with a quick rebound. Yeah, yeah and yeah. I'm with the Aranda style, which was when he came on. I mean, he transitioned that defense to, until he got the personnel that he needed to have. He didn't right. have a nose guard until you know two years into his defense. So I, I just I'm just floored with the roster management issues based on just because we're being bullheaded and we don't want a nose guard anymore, and we run a guy off like Marcel Brooks who was a stud, yeah, you know, and could have been, I mean, I, you got to find a position, right? Like yeah. you got to figure out your personnel. And yeah, yeah, if, if, if Leonard could come in and I I'm all about it, I'm just, I was just thinking, okay, we're just, he's never going to change if that's the case. Yeah. Well, and that's one of the things about, you know, having a head coach is usually it takes longer to build a roster for a defensive scheme. Mm-hmm then your, your coordinator is going to stick around because right. what, what, what's the average t- coordinator tenure in the SEC? Maybe three years, yeah, maybe? Yeah, right. like that, yeah. Maybe, maybe less, maybe two because, I mean, it just it's volatile. I mean, the head coaching situation alone is volatile. Yep. I mean, yeah, I, I, Ed Ogeron is the second most tenured coach in the SEC. <laughs> yeah, saw is that, that right? too, yep. Jesus. I mean, uh, and that's wild. That is me. crazy. Like, man, was 2016 really that long ago? No, it wasn't. Just 10 years aren't long in the SEC. That's oh, how it goes. Yeah. Yep. So, um, yeah, I mean, you got to – I mean, one would argue that 
Ogeron probably needs to make a decision. Does he want a 3-4 or a 4-3 this year? Mm -hmm. And I think if you want to go back to the 3-4, it's okay to pivot and go back because your roster is still better built. You you still have more work to do for the 4-3 than the 3-4. Yeah, yeah. So uh, Jim Leonard's a good one. He's been, you know, very, he's a little more experienced than Marcus Freeman, a uh, little, you know, uh, you know, at a higher profile school, he's been doing it. He's a Randa, but, he's an Aranda guy too. He's an Aranda tree. He's an Aranda guy too. So a lot of those players would relate very well. Yep. Uh, Wisconsin would really hate LSU, like really, really, really hate LSU. Yeah. Um, so that's a plus. Uh, you saw they broke their uh, bowl game trophy. I, <laughs> I saw that. Yeah. How crazy like, is that? I, mean, I was just that's so unbelievable. I didn't even care. I, I just, I've never seen that. And I've never seen put, it either. I didn't even care. I was mayo. I was so pissed off that there wasn't mayo in the in the in the, uh, in the mayo the Gatorade jug yeah. of mayo that was hey. supposed to be, and then it was really water. What a yeah. jerk! Uh, jerk hot move. Take. Hot take. Bowl game trophies should be designed durable enough to survive uh, locker room damage. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, come on, like. These games make enough money. Okay, drop a little bit of extra money, make it a little more durable. Don't put glass on that thing. Come Since on. when does the uh, Mayo Bowl have a crystal ball trophy? Also, oh, like, I love it. <laughs> the Mayo yeah. Bowl. Dukes yeah, is pulling in some money. I love the bowl games who just like own it when they're just tacky. They're just like, yeah, yeah it's a tacky sponsor. We're gonna have yeah. fun. Uh-huh. Dukes with Mayo. It. Or the Mayonnaise yeah. Bowl. Let's go. Yeah, you know, or the <laughs> Belk Bowl. You saw always. Yep. Crap well, a lot of jokes. My favorite bowl yeah, is the cheese. Bowl. Was, is that what the Belk the Bowl became? Bowl. I think that's what happened. I think the Belk Bowl. It's in Charlotte. It's the Mayo Bowl. I think so. I okay. Think, that, I'm, I'm, I'm asking, I don't know I, anymore. I actually don't know. I don't know anymore. There's, I can't there's, keep there's up. There's 75 bowl games. I can't. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's even them. more weird now when you got like Ole Miss playing in a bowl game and they're all yeah. hyped up. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm pretty sure they're they're in the Outback Bowl, right? They're playing Indiana. That's a good yeah. game. Yeah, I think that's, that's where we would have been, probably. They're going to the score some points, my friend. Yeah. Um, they're going to beat right. the hell out of them. But, but, you know, the question with Jim Leonard you have to ask is, is he good or is he Big Ten good? Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, you got to acknowledge that a lot of the offense is in the Big Ten. I mean, like, okay, if you hold Iowa to 10 points, is that really all that impressive? Yeah, I, I know he comes from a good NFL background as well, though. So yeah. it kind of gives me a little bit more encouragement about a guy like that, that he's a yeah. smart, young, energetic, you know, and he's seen a lot of different different yeah. football and not just Big Ten, obviously. But, all right, so another hot name I know is Barry Odom. Barry Odom right? Yeah, that was the next name. I think that actually closes out my list. I'd have to go look at it real quick. But, yeah, Barry Odom would be a guy – who's kind of off the radar for, I mean, I think the first two names you're going to hear are Freeman and Leonard, right? Yep. Uh, and then if something happens with those guys, which by the way, Jim Leonard's not a shoe in, by the way, he's, Alabama wanted him last year. Really? And, and so, yeah. And I mean, he's a Wisconsin guy. I mean, yeah, he, he's a Wisconsin grad. Played for Wisconsin. Right. Yeah. I'm sure he has visions of head coach of Wisconsin one day. Probably. He's young. I mean, well, right. you say that, but I think Paul Christ is pretty entrenched there. I, oh, I don't yes. think that, yeah. But he, I mean, you know, he might, we'll see. I mean, but and both of those guys, Freeman and Chris, are coaching in their home state. So it makes it a little tougher, you know, mm-hmm. like, okay, if Ohio State comes knocking for Marcus right. Freeman, all right, LSU, sorry, take a back seat. It's just not happening. Yep. It's one of those just geographical things. And then you have to question, okay, he's not familiar with the SEC. He's not familiar with the South geographically. He might go through some strains there. Barry Odom, none of that exists. He's well entrenched in the SEC. 
Also, a lot of people gave him some high, high praise for what he did at Arkansas this yep. year because, I mean, we remember what Arkansas was a year ago. You remember when North Texas was bullying mm-hmm. Arkansas? Yep. Yeah. I mean, like. It, yeah, you want to talk about a team that had no guys coming yeah. back. No guys. Like, were, nobody. You, they had nobody. You want to talk about Jimmys and Joes? <clears throat> yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, Arkansas has some Jimmys and Joes problems. You, you, you think that. The talent on Arkansas's defense was better than LSU's defense this year. Not even close. No, there's just that. No, it's that's that's illegal. It can't happen. <laughs> uh, it's it's physics. Like you can't break the uh, LSU has more talent on defense than Arkansas. Uh, I'm sorry, that's just how life goes. Uh-huh. Yep. Um, and they seem to perform much better defensively than LSU did this year. Of course, you couldn't perform very much worse than LSU defense. It was historically bad this year. Yep. Even in even in their bright spots, I mean, they still gave up 600 yards to Florida. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, he got a lot of praise for the work he was doing there, even though it was kind of quiet because the, the defense wasn't putting up super great. They weren't shutting out Alabama. You know right. what I mean? Yeah. Like they had spots where they looked kind of ugly, but right. that's kind of to be expected. But Barry Odom's considered a pretty, you know, off the radar guy. A lot of people really like were, Barry Odom. Were we looking at Barry Odom last year as well? When he when mean? he left uh, uh, Missouri he left and we got Missouri. Polini. Uh, they should have looked at him. I remember that that was a name people brought up. Yeah. But I, I, I think last year the Bo Pelini hire falls under the chalk category I was yeah. telling you about. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah, It was like literally the first name people brought up, and it was the guy Ogeron hired. It was like, okay, interview him. He was great. Okay, cool. Let's bring him in. I just don't think they made their way to give Barry Odom a fair look, mm-hmm. yeah. which I do think that that's something that they're going to change this year just because there's there was zero pressure on hires last year. I mean, Ogeron could have hired whoever he wanted. He could have hired me as defensive coordinator. And, you know, people would be like, well, I mean, did you see that season? (laughs) This guy, I guess we got to trust him. I mean, this Preston guy, I haven't heard much about him, never coached, but But must be smart. And Ogeron knows what he's doing. That's that's exactly what would have happened. So uh, this year, that's not the case. Yeah, I mean, there's there's actual pressure, and everybody knows what you know the expectations are at LSU and all that good stuff, and we all see what a national championship guarantees you in life, you know. Yep, not yeah. much. So, um, yeah, Barry Odom is a guy. If if I would probably say right now he'd be your third guy you look at right now, especially because he was literally a coordinator last year. And, and he showed that he can do things against modern offense. And one more thing on the defensive side before we flip to the offensive side. Um, Bo Davis, defensive line coach. I've been wanting Bo Davis forever. Like, I, I've been screaming at the top of my lungs. Can't believe this guy's over at Alabama. This is his first time he was at Alabama. And then he goes to Texas. And then he comes back to Alabama. I was like, this is one of the best defensive line coaches. Carl Dunbar was before him. And then you had Bo Davis. And I'm like, why can't one of these guys come and coach at LSU? I obviously, he gets in his trouble in the NCAA yeah. and basically scapegoated by Nick Saban. Uh, he was the fall guy. But he was the sacrificial lamb. Yes. So now he's being talked about again. Um, I mean, I, I heard it was almost like even a done deal, uh, which right. probably is not true. But um, what are your thoughts on, on, say, you get a guy like – 
Marcus Freeman. Yeah. And you keep uh, a a, uh, a uh, Corey Raymond. He can just coach all the DBs, or you can get another safety coach, whatever you want to do. And then you have a guy like Bo Davis as a defensive line coach. How much juice and energy would that bring to that defensive side? Uh, quite a bit. Um, I'm going to tell you a guy who I would like to see more than Bo Davis. Mm. Uh, I get where you're coming from with that. Okay. Um, first off, the well, all the position coaching hires, mm-hmm. uh, that's going to be contingent upon who the DC wants. Sure. You know, uh, it's not going to be one of those, you know, uh, we're going to force you to give this like, you, know, you have to have Kevin Steele as your defensive coordinator. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know who I'd like to see defensive line coach. I really like Christian Lockacher. Okay. Uh, yeah. He is really sharp and I think he's got a very bright career. A lot of kids on the recruiting trail really talk about him a lot. Yeah. I've heard uh, he's been and, a big part in recruiting. Mm-hmm. And, and he's a big part of Mason he, Smith, right? What's yeah. that? Yeah. He was a big part of Mason Smith. That's yeah. right. Uh, and, and uh, you know, I think he's got a very bright future. Uh, I'd like to see LSU give him that chance. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that, you know, he's shown quite a bit. I, I, I think uh, there was a period of time he actually did some on-field coaching. So one of the coaches was out or something. This was a while ago. I want to say it was before they brought in Bill Johnson. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Meatball tore his ACL. Uh, oh, that's like, right. In yeah. that basketball game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He tore his ACLs. I think both. Uh, yeah, it was yeah, both of them, yeah. yeah. Uh, well, then they didn't have a defensive line coach for like a week or something before they brought in Bill Johnson, mm-hmm. who's just, you know, the Ogeron friend hire, you know, the we coached in Miami or whatever sure. back in the day. Mm-hmm. Let me bring you in, old friend. Before they found him just available, it was Lockature, and he got some pretty good reviews for his intensity and things like that. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that's a guy I'd love to see. Well, that's yeah, boring. I well, uh, let's okay, Russ Callaway. And let's see how boring your suggestions are. Go ahead. <laughs> um, all right, so let's move over to the offensive side. There was actually there was one more defensive coordinator I, I think y'all missed on, uh, Zach really? Arnett at um, Zach at, Arnett at Mississippi State. Mississippi State. Um, I, would, I would like that higher. San Diego State. It's uh, a 3 3 5, not 3 4 4 3. Right. Um, I mean, I'm gonna I, say a lot of time, I don't like that higher. Yeah, I, okay. I'm, I'm okay with it. I'm not either or about it to be honest I, with you. I, I, just, I think he did a really good job at mississippi state this year i think it would be like down the road if you got if you couldn't get Freeman, you couldn't get um barry odom and sure, it's like sure. you, you keep going down the line then that one might be a guy later on but all right so we'll move on to the offensive side offensive coordinator and I, to me this is where it's like okay you had your priority which was defensive coordinator offensively we i feel like we not only did we not played terribly this year i mean we had we had some games where we didn't play well and we had new quarterbacks but you know for the most part the offensive was still humming along um we we lost a ton of guys um from that offensive side and even uh florida and Ole miss were, were still putting up huge numbers um and it seemed like things after the texas a&m game everything kind of opened back up again because it was like okay you're not going to win in that. You're not going to be able to win another game this year with that offensive scheme against Texas A&M. You, yeah. you won't be able to do that again. Um, same with Arkansas. You weren't going to be able to beat anybody else in the schedule playing the style of play that you played against Arkansas, which was run the ball, time of possession, all that kind of crap. 
Um, open it up, throw it to your wide receivers. They seem to do that at the end of the year. Uh, they did that quite a bit, obviously, with Miles Brennan. Um, so in my point of view, I want to see as little transition as possible from what we're doing now to the next offensive coordinator. Um, yeah. And if it's the if it's still the 2019 Joe Brady scheme that we're still doing, that's a little bit nuanced, to, and we're, we're doing it in 2020, and then we move on to 2021, and we have Miles Brennan coming back, you got Max Johnson coming back, the last thing that I want to do is – get somebody else in that's brand new and changes up the entire lingo. Um, and just, it's all new to everybody at that point. Um, yeah. what, what are your thoughts on this? Go, just on that to begin yeah. with. So basically just promote Russ Calloway is what you're asking about. I think so. I think, I, you know, you hear so much about him and you hear that he's, you know, he's very involved with the scheme and with, especially that you're going to have, um, Ensminger's still on uh, some sort of analyst staff or something Not. like that. We don't really know yet. But if you have a guy like that, I say just open it up and let him let him go. Um, he's been a coordinator before. I know at a low level. Mm -hmm. So l let me just say, in terms of the Ensminger, if Ensminger was forced out, I'm not. I mean, I, I actually don't know exactly what was going on. Mm -hmm. I do know Ogeron felt some pressure to make some changes with the coaching staff. Yeah. But Ensminger's the kind of guy where I could see him getting tired of it and saying, all right, guys, I'm that's, sorry. That's kind of yeah, what I thought, that's too. That's what I think, too. I'm pretty sure because he does not like spotlight. and mm -hmm. He didn't really want the job to begin with, uh, if you remember. And he, he had to be talked into it. Yeah. Right. I could definitely see him spitting in his dip cup and saying, you know what? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm done with this coach. That's, you know, yeah, sure. <laughs> I, I, I want to just uh, sit back and enjoy an analyst role. And I could see him being happy like that. You know, yeah. mm -hmm. I really think they should have stuck with him because a, you're looking out there at the coaches available and it's like, I'm not sure that the market's too sexy. Um, you know, he, he just, you know, he seemed, I mean, he literally coordinated the best offense in the history of college football. Yeah, yeah. And I don't think the job, a lot of people criticized the job he did this year, but like, dude, I think he did a great job this year. I thought it was fine. I yeah. mean, Brennan was slinging it, Yeah. you know, and yes, there, there was a lot of problems like the offensive line, like they were not good. Right. Nope. Like, they, yep. Some problems. Uh, I think if there was a problem, it was with personnel selection yeah i think the personnel they went with at times was very questionable uh you know i think their running back selection the little rotation they did there was a little eh. i certainly think they stuck with tj finley way too long i mean i'm sorry but after that auburn game i would have moved on right then and there yeah mm -hmm. right and then they stuck with him for five games <clears throat> so but the play calling itself he did what he had to do you know, TJ Finley, as a true freshman, did what a true freshman usually does. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it, it showed some talent, but made a lot of dumb mistakes that severely limited how they could play. And I think Insminger showed a lot of flexibility, changing his offense three times to three different quarterbacks and losing, you know, his one and two receiver on the year and then you know, lo and behold, his final game, Keishon Butte pops off, you know, and breaks every SEC record, you right. know. Uh, uh, so to me, that was a little, that, that was a blow to LSU when Ensminger decided to step back. 
Russ Calloway uh, is not going to excite the fans, though. Which, if if item B happened and Ogeron felt pressure to get a new offensive coordinator in, then <clears throat> that would not be the way he goes at all. Because if you're feeling pressure and you want a big name to, you know, the whole, you know, uh, new coordinator to buy yourself time or whatever cliche coaches do, you don't want to just promote an on-staff analyst. Yeah, like, right. that's not the angle you go. You want to go out and you want to go bid for Joe Brady. Sure. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, that's what you do to excite a fan base. Now, obviously, I don't think anybody thinks going for Joe Brady at this point is realistic, although that'd be a dream come true. But I think he's – They don't uh, have the it. money for that yet. No. Yeah. So, like, you're talking about the financial, I mean, impact. I mean – what, what are we talking yeah. about? Three, three, four million? Twenty-five, just to get in the conversation. Yep. Yeah. I mean, also, I mean, a lot of people are talking about he might have an NFL head coach job locked up. A lot of like, yeah. I've heard a lot of Bengal fans want to just go ahead and fire Zach Taylor for Sheesh. breaking. Good Come on. Yeah. Uh, right? Yeah. Talking about that, Give but... the dude some time. <laughs> yeah. No kidding. <laughs> that, that, that doesn't exist in the NFL. I can tell you that. Tom, I, guess, I, mean, I mean, I thought he's done. Did I mean, the Browns after two seasons. But sure. Browns were in a lot better spot than the Bengals were roster-wise, though. Yeah. I, well, I mean, uh, the Bengals, you know, they, they have some good things going on. They need on some line. They need the line of scrimmage shored right. up. I mean, they're going to have to be thorough on that Browns roster, though. But anyways, we're right. talking about getting rid of him and maybe – Bring in Joe Brady as head coach. Bring in Boy Wonder. Let's see what he can do. Well, in that in that hypothetical situation, let's take Zach Taylor as our offensive coordinator. I love it. <laughs> um, I have a strong feeling that whoever the offensive coordinator is going to end up being, we're not talking about them yet because mm, hypothetical mm. situations like Zach Taylor getting fired from the Bengals. Sure happened yet sure i have a feeling there's going to be a hot name that gets on the market and lsu is going to be sitting there waiting and they're going to scoop him up say look we got money we got you come on in um i don't think it's going to be something unrealistic like joe brady i don't think it's going to be something vanilla like obviously the worst case scenario should be and and this is what i'm saying it's not a bad scenario is okay you got insminger on staff promote russ calloway Go to Baylor and pluck up uh, Jorge Munoz, Munoz mm-hmm. who's not even – He's not fired, even yeah. They, they let him go. Yeah. Bring him in as a passing game coordinator because he was a hot name last year for the right. passing game coordinator right. um, position and just do it, you know, or hire – I don't know. Try to see if there's any, you know, low-level Saints assistant available. Yeah. <laughs> so and, and that, the, that was another, uh, you know, person that you just have on the radar is – Joe Lombardi, right? Um, quarterback coach. Um, that would be your Saints tree, and I think it, it's all about keeping that same system like we had in 2019. It sounds like some of the the people that you start hearing about now. Um, what do you think Sean Payton's going to get tired of you know being getting? Yeah. <laughs> Does he really care though? Like he's well, the one calling the plays. Interns, but come on now. Yeah, right. Um, well, I mean, think about it. Joe Brady literally used his one year at LSU and jumped the division rival. Yeah. You know, so he's got a coach against Boy Wonder, you know, twice a year. But Joe Lombardi would be a good name to look at the offensive coordinator. You might want someone a little more experienced. Well, another guy with experience would be Joe Moorhead. 
Um, that's another name that's been sure. floated. Yeah, he was outstanding at Penn State. Now, his, his offensive setup is not what we would be talking about here. Uh I mean, he he was not very similar to like what the Saints ran. It was a very, you know, know, very run the ball centric type offense. I I remember that in Mississippi State with with Nick Fitzgerald. I felt like they did a terrible job of designing an offense around Nick Fitzgerald. Um, And it was that a lot. It was a lot of RPOs, but mostly run the ball. You remember the the Devin White game where (laughs) – where Nick Fitzgerald basically ran into a brick wall for 40 times in a game. Yeah, and through it's four like, picks. Yeah. yeah, that's that was. I yeah, I don't think. Yeah, I, I don't. I, I, so Joe Moorhead reminds me a lot of Matt Canada. Mm-hmm. That he's a good coach. He's got a good offense. He knows how to call plays. But what he does doesn't fit well with what LSU needs to do. Right. I don't think that, like, okay, you know, running a triple, you know, uh, triple motion option-based run attack isn't exactly going to do much against Alabama's 3-4 outside linebackers. Mm -hmm. I just knew, like, that was limited day one. Although he's a great coach, he can go somewhere else and have plenty of success. But uh, Joe Joe Moorhead's system, I don't think, is what they need to be going for. I think he'd be a fine coach, but... uh, I would go a different direction altogether. Go for go for a pass happy, you know, five wide RPO system. You know, try not to shake too much because the offense scored some points. Yeah, especially when Brennan was in there. I mean, Brennan. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people were were harping on him. You know, he took a lot of sacks and whatnot, and at times he just didn't look as, like, dominant. But I think a lot of people were comparing him to Joe Burrow, even though they were saying, don't compare him to Joe Burrow, don't compare him to Joe Burrow. God, I do know Joe Burrow would have ran for that first down, though. (laughs) (laughs) Like, he he got a little bit too much of that. I mean, dude threw for – I mean, he threw for 11 touchdowns in three games. Yeah, yeah. He's. I think he finished as LSU's leading passer. He played the first three games of the season. Yeah. Yeah, well, and I was looking at the drop off and stats. Like, I think TJ Finley had four touchdowns and five mm. interceptions, uh-huh. and Brennan had eleven touchdowns, three interceptions. I mean, Max Johnson though had a really good TD uh, interception. Yeah, ratio. I think he had like eight to one or something. It was, uh, I think it was like nine to one. Nine fact, to one. Oh yeah. Said I jinxed it because I was counting it up. I was like, that's eight <laughs> touchdowns, no <laughs> interceptions. I mean, <laughs> dude does nothing but yeah. you know does his job, and then boom, he throws an interception. He got yeah. a little Keishawn Butte high. Okay, he got yeah. a little. Threw, you know, he, like, did he? And he threw it to him, uh, but Keishawn Butte went the, the wrong way. Yeah. Or uh, I think he just uh, underthrew the fade, huh? I was dodging rain in the press box. That was miserable. <laughs> uh, like I will say, that was the crappiest weather for an LSU game I had ever. Yeah, ever you were thought. there, right? Yeah, I went, we went and sat under the scoreboard. Yeah, what's that? We went and sat. Me and my friend went and sat under the scoreboard. We were in the student yeah. section. Yeah, I, well, God bless you. There was like twelve other people in the stadium as a whole, but uh, <laughs> literally they refused to close the windows in the press box. So really? I'm sitting there like hiding my. Uh, uh, guarding it all yeah yeah like oh god protect the goods i'm like this is the crappiest weather for an lsu game i've ever seen ever and yeah. mike scarborough sits there and goes 1988 miami and i'm still calling bs on i was there uh miami Wait. florida um yes, yeah it worked oh uh, it was bad i i wasn't at this game so i can't compare the two but it was really really bad 
There was actually a Miami of Ohio game in 86 that I was there too, and we lost that game. And that was um, – we lost in a mud pit in Tiger Stadium basically. So That was uh, Ben Roethlisberger, right? No, Miami of Ohio in 86. Oh, 86. We played them said, again in, 90, said, in yeah, 2000. Yeah, they played them again in 2001. Oh, right. Yeah, but I mean, yeah. Uh, I, I'm going to tell you this. That was like forty degrees and raining. It yeah. wasn't that cold, and uh, when we played Miami of Florida, dude, it was cold. <laughs> now we got blasted. Cold. Maybe that's why. Um, maybe that's why he says that. But um, it, funny story about Miami of Florida '88, and they're dominant. I mean, they got Steve Walsh Are coming really in. Calling them Miami of Florida. Well, like I feel like I had to say that because we played Miami of Ohio so right. soon before that. It was like a big upset. Yeah, like, okay, that, that Miami of Ohio is Miami. You of say Ohio. Miami of Ohio, but Miami, Miami is just I mean, Miami. The U. Thought, right. That's just Miami. Okay? Yeah, like I got gotcha. you. Miami of Ohio does not get to just be called Miami. <laughs> I get it. You earned that. So they had, I mean, they had Cleveland Gary, they had Steve Walsh, they had Michael Irvin, they had all these studs, um, they, and we were pretty good. They come in and they're the number one team in the country. Um, we're we're like all, I mean, LSU is ready for like a big upset in Death Valley kind of thing. It's on ESPN. Um, LSU runs out of the tunnel, fireworks go off, and it's like, okay, this is going to be it. Um, we're immediately down like. 14 to nothing. I think it was uh, 24 to nothing going into halftime. And we kick a field goal at the end of the half, zero on the clock. Um, Tiger Stadium, they shoot off fireworks. They were ready They were ready to shoot fireworks for, like, that opening drive touchdown, and they were going to shoot fireworks off. And so they saved them, and they were like, first score, we're going to shoot the fireworks off. And it's 24 to three at halftime, and fireworks are going off. And I'm like, this is brutal. <laughs> we got drilled. After that, like, that's right. Uh, you got to say, okay, cut, cut the fireworks. Yeah, like I don't know about that one, but uh, yeah, no, I don't believe that that was worth it. The only one that was close was Troy 2008. Eight. Oh, okay. oh my god, it was so cold! Was so cold, man. Like, and people are like, oh, the fans gave up on the team. I think the fans gave up on the weather, dude. <laughs> I was gonna leave regardless of the score, like, yeah, I was 10. I mean, Oh man. And then like, I don't know. I think like a lot of fans go into games like that, assuming it's going to be a blowout. And mm -hmm. like, they only prepare for one half of football. Right. <laughs> yeah. Like, and that's that. Like, after one half, they're mentally checked out, especially if it's that cold. I mean, that, they were down was, by, but, but Ole Miss was by far worse. But anyways, okay. Russ Calloway, Jorge Munoz, that should be the worst case scenario. Okay, so give me give me a guy that maybe we're not even talking about yet. Somebody that you could think of that would be a guy that would be on your radar if yeah. Preston Guy was the head coach. If Preston Guy is the head coach, I get every single penny I can find and I go bid as much as I can for Joe Brady. I mean, okay, I, I already said that much. Like, sure. I get it's not realistic, but seriously, That's I'm the with first you. Call hey, you gotta make, yeah, I'm with. I mean, you. try to see if you could make it happen, like. Dude, I mean, what if we, you know, like, how much money? Just how much do you need right. and see if you can make it happen? Okay, here's a hypothetical for you. Say we only have a certain amount of money to spend. And okay. you can make, like, a big D.C. hire and get Russ Calloway as your offensive coordinator. Um, so you have, like, Marcus Freeman, D.C., and you have Russ Calloway as your O.C. Right. Or you can get the money to get Joe Brady back, and then you make – Corey Raymond, your defensive coordinator. 
All right, let me tell you. So a lot of people have floated the Corey Raymond to DC move, mm-hmm. and I'm I'm telling people that is a mistake, big time mistake. Now, if you want to go with a low dollar DC, and if you were to get a guy like Joe Brady, I say, yeah, that's your answer. Because look, none of these guys, none of the defensive coordinators that I've heard are like grand slam hires. Right. Sure. It's not like when you pulled in John Chavis. When you pulled in John Chavis, I was like, that's. Great it's a big hire. hire, right? Right. Yeah, I mean that's wow. That's a good hire, you know. Uh, or Dave Aranda was yeah, a grand Dave slam. A big yeah. One. Okay. Yeah. None of the guys I'm looking at are true. Like, wow, that's going to change the program. Mm. So if you were to go in and get a guy like that, and Joe Brady, go do do not promote Corey Raymond. I'm going to tell you exactly why. Um, when you give someone a taste of that step up. You don't know how they're going to react. It's not one of those situations where, okay, you know, very rarely, the, the only one ever to do it is Steven Zinger, okay, where you give them a taste of that promotion, whatever, money. Well, what if they aren't successful? Well, then you had a guy who was a successful DB coach for pushing on 10 years now, mm-hmm. a very successful one at that, and you, you blew it because you gave him a taste of D.C. for one year and he didn't do the job, and mm-hmm. now he's, you know – uh, now, now, now he's Baylor's defensive back coach, you know, because you fired him as DC or whatever. Remember Ogeron at USC? Yeah, great defensive line coach, great recruiting. He would have been a great asset for USC. They gave him a taste of that interim coaching, and guess what? He told he them left, as yeah. soon as they hired Sarkeesian. Yep, give him the bird and, yeah. and stormed off. So it's possible they would have had a really good assistant coach if you do that with uh, with Corey Raymond. You're ruining a very good thing. He's at his alma mater. He's in a spot he's happy at. He's doing a very good job. It's very rare you get an assistant coach like that. And I tend to say, when you get someone in a position like that, don't mess it up. I agree with you. Do not. If he really pushes through and wants to be a DC, he would have gotten a DC job somewhere by now. Mm -hmm. I don't think he really wants it. I think he's fine where he's at. He's making good money. You know, he's at his alma mater. He's comfortable. Cool. Keep him there. You know, the only one I've ever seen go up to that role and be comfortable just casually stepping back is Steve Ensminger. But right. I mean, he's, he's a little probably he's, the chillest coach in all of college football. <laughs> right. Yeah, absolutely. I used to do my SID stuff with him because I was oh, yeah. kind of low on the totem pole. And they said, here, go babysit the tight ends and offensive line. And that dude had me cracking up. I'll bet. Everything he would say in between dips, dips cracked me up man that's the old country dude best best quote from steve ensminger go well i would have slapped the shit out of you too (laughs) yeah he was talking to dylan gordon um and um (laughs) oh man he said coach brandon be throwing the ball hard as hell like brandon harris he you remember yeah yeah yeah. um and man I, I, I feel like I feel like I want to just go throw right back at him, but but if I hurt him, coach gonna come up and smack the shit out of me. And just yeah, I'll smack the shit out of you too. <laughs> That's I, good. 
just losing it. Like, yeah, you're the quarterback. You're a tight end. Like, just so bad at that. Yeah, I'm your position coach, but I'm not dumb. The quarterback's more important than you, Gordon. Like, <laughs> like that's great. That's uh, great. I just, oh man, dude, I, I loved it. This was at this was at media day actually. So there were 600 reporters there, but they were all around Leonard Fournette. So, right. so on the back corner by the tight ends, uh, that little indoor facility. We might as well have been in a private room. <laughs> yeah, nobody really cared. Yeah, nobody cared. The media's lazy. They just go for the you know five star number one player in the country, generational <laughs> talent running back. Lazy. Right. All right, bud. Well, we appreciate your time on this. Um, and so officially, Preston Guy thinks that we should have uh, Joe Brady, Bill Belichick as our defensive coordinator. Um, we'll bring in KJ Costello as the passing game coordinator. I think. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, look, here's the deal. You didn't really get a great name out of me for OC, but I'm telling you, it's because whoever the DC is, yeah, hasn't gotten fired yet. Or, I'm sorry, OC. OC, but yeah, I got you. Yeah, he's not, he's not a name on our radar yet. Well, I, I, I don't you also think that it could be money uh, that they need to figure out what guy they need to have for the defensive side first, and then figure out how much money they have left to play with? Yes. Okay. Definitely, that's going to be a thing, and then I think it's going to be a lot contingent on, you know, how, how much leverage were you able to get out of that one booster who was able to cut, you know, right. a six figure check or a seven figure check, you know, uh, do you like this DC? You want to cut that check? All <laughs> right, then. All right. Now we determine our OC budget. All right. Well, yeah. you will see a Twitter post shortly about um, breaking news. KJ Costello has been interviewed for the passing game coordinator position. So just yeah. be on the lookout sources <laughs> well his offenses when in tiger stadium averaged 623 passing yards that's how i'll use that stat that. i mean it, it's true it's facts look it up and no other offense has ever done that actually. no uh-uh First ever. in the sec so it's hey. pro it was prolific that day was prolific it was it was fantastic. If he could have just done that ten more times, he would have won the Heisman Trophy. Oh, no doubt. Absolutely. Yeah. I, 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 hell, I'd say nine more times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Sure. But he he, he would have unseated Joe Burrow. He would have been better. Oh yeah, than Joe he would have been the best quarterback oh, yeah. in the history. All I had to do was do to keep it up. Right. Well, he was the best scoreback in the history world that day. Um, we'll never forget it, Preston. We appreciate it again, my friend. Uh, hey, TigerBait.com, uh, when, when can we see you guys again uh, on a live show? Yeah, so look, uh, we're going to be doing just kind of sporadic live shows. Gotcha. When there's news. You know, uh, I'm a football guy. I talk football. I, I am a basketball, baseball fan. I don't do anything exceptional for those sports. So yeah. we do football for the most part. So coaching hires type stuff, go, you can go follow the Tiger Bait Facebook page. Go follow me on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, wherever you're at. I'm there, Preston Guy, P Guy underscore seven seven. Uh, I tend to cut up and, you know, have a good time with Twitter with LSU football stuff. But, yeah, you can also head to TigerBait.com to keep up with all the writing and the recruiting updates I'm doing right now. Cool. Uh, it is, you know, the recruiting stuff we do is premium. It costs $1 to give a try. It's like $99 a year. Y'all go give it a try. Definitely recommend it every time. And if you can't do that, just give me a follow. Awesome, brother. <laughs> we appreciate it. We'll post all the information on Facebook, and we'll talk to you later, buddy. I right, appreciate y'all. Thank, Thank you, man. man.
All right, Preston Guy, TigerBait.com. Uh, we appreciate Preston and all of his time. All right, so we're, I guess we'll switch a little gears. You want to switch some gears to some basketball, some round ball, as I like to call it? Sure, why not? So, big game. We had the first game of the SEC Dude, that was, season. That was fun. That was fun. You were there, right? Yeah, I went. You were on the big screen, I heard. That's Yeah, that's what I've been Did you have with. a One Team, One Podcast shirt on? I had a hat. You did? So that's so yeah, yeah. free Free advertising. There you go. Uh, somebody saw and there's like, hey, your boy was uh-huh. on uh, the big screen. Mm-hmm. Um, Brandon, Coca-Cola Brandon saw yeah, you. Yeah. Um, I'm sure some other people were there that do not like us that saw you too. And they oh, were I like, that so. son of a bitch. That motherfucker. He's in section three. No, they probably didn't recognize me because I shaved. Uh, probably not. Um, I'm wearing the disguise. So what did you think about the team? Um, you probably have, you're a little bit more in depth with basketball talk than I am, but um, I can give it a go. But what do you Dude, think? I mean, Cam Thomas just continues. I, I I was thinking like, okay, SEC play, like his numbers are going to come down a little bit. They went up. Mm-hmm. He hit his career high. Uh, I mean, dude, he's just so good. And then aside from Cam Thomas, it's really easy to just say that Cam Thomas is good and then pretty much leave it at that. But Darius Days is also, I mean – that dude's going to be all SEC. Yep. I mean, just like we were saying in the uh, before the season started, we, we thought he might be an all SEC guy. I think you – He is. I mean, dude, I mean, you posted the stats uh, today. You got three guys in the top ten in scoring. Yeah. But, like, how do you leave off Cam Thomas, Trenton Watford, Darius Days on all SEC teams? Like, how tough is that, mm-hmm. right? Like, that's Trenton really Watford, tough. by the way, was awful yesterday, and it didn't matter. No. And we still won by 20. Three points. Well, and, and Javante Smart only had what six yeah, points. Javante like didn't tr- or contribute two points? very much either. Yeah, six assists. I think yeah, uh, Trendon and Javante compi- combined for six points. Right, and we still scored seventy-seven points. So yeah, I, and um, I used that quote he has told us before is this team can this team can fall out of bed and score eighty points. <laughs> That's basically what he says. Um, yeah, I'm super excited. I know it's uh, Texas A&M, but I, I, you know, I did post this also on Twitter, which is you're going to have teams that like this that they're going to try to keep up with you on scoring, but they're not. They're just not going to be able to. Yeah. Um. And we we do play defense better than Dude, we did I last thought, year. I thought we played defense fantastically last. Yeah. Night. I mean, it's 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 not fantastic. It's not well. You said fantastic last night, but it's not like great yet. I yeah, think. no, I agree. But I still think we got it. We have to close out better. Um, the rebounding was actually pretty good last night. I thought night. so too. Uh, but yeah, the closeouts are still just horrible. This team, though, all the all you need is just a little bit. You just yeah. need some stops here and there because this team is going to score some points. Yeah. So if you can hold the other team to 60, 70 points, you're probably going to win every you're game. You're probably going to win every game. I don't know. I don't know how we're going to be able to. Um, you know, there's going to be some teams. Obviously, they're going to be able to score with us but um mm-hmm. i don't know how teams are going to be able to keep us under 70 points i know? don't either i don't either i don't i don't think anyone kept us under 70 points last year in sec play I might texas be a&m is a team that's supposed to have a, a pretty good defensive squad and very tough and all that but yeah, dude all last night I, w- I just kept thinking i was like this is a good text this texas a&m team is good like I, th- I thought they had some good players um i forget the kid's name but Flag. uh 
Flag, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, he think I think he's third or fourth in flags the flags are flags are a big scoring. player, yeah. right? And I, I like uh, I love Buzz Williams. I think yeah, Buzz I Williams think Buzz is going to be a great a fantastic coach. Fantastic coach. Yeah. Uh, when they came out and started pressing at the beginning, I yeah. was like, oh, here we go. Yeah. But and we I, weren't handling it well at first, and then we eventually figured it out. Yeah, I was like, okay, this is just mm-hmm. this is going to be donezo early. Right. Uh, I think it was probably early in the game still, where it was like it was like fifteen to twelve LSU mm-hmm. or something like that, and I was like. Eh, it, if you if you keep it up for the entire forty minutes, there's no way that this team's going to be able to stay on the sure. floor with them. Sure. Um, and you could just it. I don't remember the last time I I've seen an LSU team where I thought that um, going into it, we're like, okay, this team's just so much better. It reminds me, and you know, it's crazy, it's crazy off the wall comparison. This reminds me a little bit of 2019 LSU football. <laughs> <laughs> it, look, I know, I know, right. well, but it's more like head around it's first. more like okay, you have an offensive like very offensively skilled team. Yeah. They're going to score points. The defensive side just has to. You just need fine. to like just yeah, hold okay. them down a yeah. little bit. I mean, you don't have to be sure. perfect. Yeah, um, because we're going to be able to score like right. I mean, lights out. Can Thomas just going to put up twenty five points a game? Right. And then everyone else can just be fine. When, man, when you see Javante Smart only having two points and we're able to still score 77 points with ease, yeah. um, that's should everybody should be very optimistic. I was getting to the point last night where every time Trenton Watford shot the ball, I was like, stop. Like, don't do it anymore. Um I mean, obviously, Trenton Watford's a really good player, and yeah, I and want last the, night was more of a blip on the radar sure. than anything. But I want the ball in his hands. I yeah, want. I, yeah. I love uh, Darius Days on the on the wing. I love you know. Uh, did we see a lot of Josh LeBlanc last night? Maybe I just wasn't paying attention. Yeah, he played a good bit. Mm-hmm. What was his stat line? You remember? Uh, I don't remember. I think he only had like two points or something, but he had I think six or seven rebounds. Okay, I'm wanting to see him a little bit more. He's in the our mix. best rebounder. He's the best yeah. rebounder on the team. <clears throat> I agree. And I, I uh, you know, when you had Sharif O'Neal was in a boot, um, you're going to need a guy like Josh LeBlanc to really be the the force inside. Mm-hmm. And it, for the the few games that I've seen him, I I'm very comfortable with oh, him. I love him. Very comfortable. Yeah. With him. Um, he brings that defensive attitude, and I'm still telling you, whenever I see, if they can get to the point where you can get, um. You can be like a sub in and out, and you have a guy like Josh LeBlanc on the floor, Jalen Cook, um, Eric Gaines, Mawani Wilkinson, like on yeah. the floor at the same time. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, you yeah. got some energy, bro! Mm-hmm. Like they can score, yeah, they can Wilkinson run. Had a good game last night. Who's that? Mawani Wilkinson. Wilkinson. Yeah, he just he's got such he's yeah. got a little energy. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's Marlon Taylor's clone, right? He's a little taller. Yeah, yeah, he is. A little yeah. taller, but he's just I think got he's that a little same bit more skilled too. bounce. Yeah. I've seen that too. And he's only a freshman. I mean, that's crazy. He's a true freshman, exactly. <sighs> There's a lot to like about LSU basketball right now. Um, who we got next with basketball? We got Florida on Saturday. Okay. That's Florida at one. A big one. So, you know, they, they took a break, Florida did, after yeah. uh, Johnson well, went down. Right, yeah. I mean, Johnson's. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's probably the best player in the SEC. Yeah. I think. Uh, when healthy, I mean, I, I don't even. I think I saw today that he's uh, he's coaching now, really, uh, while he's like recovering still. But he's gonna be like a coach on the sideline. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is great. Um, but yeah, I think without him, I don't, I don't really know who else they have. I know they have one other guy that's uh, scoring pretty high. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, they've only played four games and against low competition, other than Florida State. 
Yeah. Um, the only thing I can think of with a team like this would coming off with like such an emotional, like, yeah. Uh, moment is that they're going to play really hard. Um, sure. that's kind of what I would expect. Um, and you know, Florida is going to have athletes. So yeah. Florida is going to be able and to Mike run White's up and down. A good coach. Yeah, I think he's a great coach. Yeah. I, I, well, I shouldn't say great coach. He, I remember at Louisiana tech, he did such a great job over there yeah. and it was like a, it was a really good hire for them to get, um, him over to Florida. Um, and I remember his first few years of Florida, he was bringing in that same system and they were, they were running up and down the floor and they were pressing a lot mm -hmm. and they had some really scrappy like guards. Yeah. Um, and I think he, I thought he just needed a few recruiting classes to come in and just never, and they never got over the hump. It yeah. feels like, so I don't know. I think they'll play very, very hard. Um, yeah, that's they, what they this, always do. They that's always this do. weekend. Yeah. That's this weekend. Okay. At so it'll be actually around the same time as the all American game when, uh, Tristan Lee and all them are coming. The Under Armour yeah. or the so, Army game, right? I don't yeah, remember I think, which one it is. I think it's uh, the Army All-American Okay, game. Uh, January 2nd. Yeah. Um, so January 1st, so it's in two days, we are going to have the Cincinnati game. Um, so yeah. we'll be... Oh, yeah, so on Saturday, then on Saturday we'll have... Uh, we'll also have um, Marcus Freeman who's going to... That's right. Come to LSU, right? Marcus Freeman, uh, yeah, hopefully the very next day, right? Yeah. Is that what you're saying? That's what I'm thinking. Maybe he'll be That's, introduced. Because Joe Brady left for Carolina the day after the championship, didn't he? I don't remember if it was the day. Well, I yes, mean, it was. Because right before, sure it was the, 14th. Right before yeah. the game, we had already struck a deal with him, if you remember. Like, we, we renegotiated and we struck a deal with him where he was going to stay. And then right after the game... Carolina came back and they uh, were like, "Nah, yeah, we'll give you fuck a, you. We're gonna <laughs> give you. We're gonna give you what do they call it? The, fuck you money. Yeah, we're gonna give you fuck yeah, you yeah, money. Yeah, yeah. Um. So yeah, I could see something quickly happening if if he's the guy. Mm -hmm. I I mean, I don't think you want to wait uh, and let everybody else try to get in there and get their bids in because sure. he's gonna be a hot commodity. Yeah. What? So here's a hypothetical. What if Georgia goes in there and beats them like forty to nothing? Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> and like JT Daniels puts up like 500 yards passing. Hey, dude, I could see it. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I mean, the way that Georgia offense is rolling right now, well, I, could, I could see that wouldn't. Well, that loses the, the luster for you. And yes and no. I don't know. I mean, dude, they're they're so undermanned, you know. And then congratulations, we get the defensive coordinator. <laughs> Um, yeah, no, I don't. I don't think that that wouldn't affect me too much. I don't think. I don't um, think that's going to happen anyway. There um, were actually there were a couple offensive coordinators that I wanted to mention. Uh, Jeff Grimes, yeah, uh, BYU, uh, I think would be a decent hire. Um, not nothing crazy, but uh, I, I think that BYU offense this year was pretty awesome. Um, and then the other one is Kendall Bryles. He's at he's I, at Arkansas at currently. Arkansas, yeah, yeah, yeah. It just goes to steal both Arkansas's coordinators. I just don't like changing what's worked. Um, but what I mean, you're not changing too much. I mean, Kendall Bryles is still spread and all that. I mean, he runs a great system. Uh, I don't know. I, I'm I'm very very like in the trenches on like 2019 LSU football. Dude, come on. I mean, it's that the Kendall Bryles offense works. It work like it, it's really good. Yeah, I don't see what the I don't see what the issue with that would be. I don't know. I'm d I'm just not sold on it. I don't know what it is. I just um, and I actually to respond. Graham Harrell is another guy like Graham uh, Harrell yeah, no, at USC. I, I, think, I mean, yeah, he's a hot name. He's more of an air raid guy, though, isn't he? That's more 2019 than 
than a Kendall Bryles would be for us, right? No. Kendall Bryles we does a lot. We were air raid in 2019. I wouldn't say we're air raid either, but we did. We were shotgun. Um, That's what Kendall Bryles is. I mean, we had like some a lot of zero personnel sometimes, stuff like that. You yeah. know, we had we had five wides, four wides every down. Yeah. Um, and not, not that he doesn't, but I, I also know Kendall Bryles will run the run the ball with the quarterback a lot. Yeah, and um, I'm fine with that. I'm not necessarily fine with that. I want to. I want to. I want to do a little bit more of a um, down the field passing concept kind of stuff. Um, kind of. I mean, if you look at Joe Brady when he came in, I, I've read a little bit on that flip the script um, book. Uh, the yeah, Ed I started book. reading it. And I haven't. There was a little bit about where when Joe Brady came in, he basically scrapped everything that LSU was doing on the offensive oh, yeah. side. And said, "Okay, we're going to go with a. I forget what the exactly how he called it, but it was like a um, something concept where you you're looking downfield and you have your four options um, that you're going to be going through your progressions. And yeah. if they guard this guy, then this guy's open. If they guard this guy, then this guy's open. Sure. If they guard this, and that's kind of what they did. It was a very simplified attack. Yeah, but it was you couldn't. Nobody had a formula for it. Yeah." Um, that I, I didn't see that a whole lot, um, even this year. Sometimes I yeah. didn't feel like they were had quarterbacks that were going through progressions yet. Uh, yeah, and that, I, I think mean, that had a little bit to do, obviously. Part with of that's because the I mean, personnel. Miles Brennan is. Yeah, sure. uh, It was he's he only played in three games. I think he was scared of his TJ's, offensive line. TJ's um, a freshman. Max is a freshman. Right. I mean, you know, I get it. But yeah. I don't. The last thing that I want is to go away from that that worked so well in 2019 yeah. when you got guys that could probably get you to that point. Sure. Yeah. 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 In a year or two. You know? No, I don't disagree with that, but I mean that I don't think the the Joe Brady system is the only one that works, and I don't I know agree. necessarily that Callaway is the best play caller available. I agree with that, um, um, but here's the only thing I do know: the 2019 LSU offense was the best offense in the history of college football. Yeah, that's what I want. Okay, well, I mean... I want to do the exact same thing. Shovel up $5 million and go get Joe Brady. I want to do the exact same thing, just with lesser personnel, and see where that gets me. That's what I want. It Why why change anything? That's kind of my question. I've heard, like, Phil Longo at North North Carolina. I I get it. He's probably really good. Why change anything? Any of it? Why change anything that you're doing? I mean, it's. I just don't know that that is repeatable. And I, no, actually, no. I, I'll even say I don't think that's repeatable. I'm not talking about the stats that they put up. No, and all that. I, I know that you're not saying that, but like, I just don't think that like running that system is going to be like nearly as efficient. Would you say this year was this year was that nearly as in, as inefficient? What? This year, 2020, was not as efficient as 2019. Yeah, obviously. Because you didn't have as good of players or as good of play caller, or you didn't have Joe Brady. Right. So, well, another year in this system, same system. Say you were keeping it all the same. Sure. They'll be better. Yeah. So, they were really good, I thought. I thought right. they were pretty good. But Steve Ensminger has gone now. I, I, think the, I think the system is still there, is what I'm saying. Maybe, maybe. I, I just, I don't know that we can just fully trust Russ Callaway. You know, I mean, all he's done is he's been a 
analyst here and he's been at Stanford for a couple years. I was on that. I was with you on that. Um, but it's like a couple not, of weeks ago, remember yeah, we, we no, were talking we were about actually, we actually have flipped somehow. I but, think we have. Yeah. I'm, uh, I'm more, and it's not Russ I'm, Calloway I'm that I'm, great with I'm him in love pa- with. I'm great with him at passing game coordinator. I, I just think offensive coordinator, I don't know that we can trust him to call the plays yet. I don't think though that you can get another guy in another system. That's not going to just come in and change things. Um, and I don't know if you necessarily need the change but on the I, offensive I side that that we do on the obviously on the defensive side. The defensive side needs to be a complete overhaul. You need to scrap everything that you know. Yeah, no, I think we <laughs> you need to reteach it. We definitely agree there. Uh, offensively, though, I don't think there needs to be this drastic change. And I think the last thing that Max Johnson needs, or even Miles Brennan, Miles Brennan's been in the system for three years now. Sure. Why give him a whole new offense to learn? Not that the concepts are completely different, but a lot of these guys come in with completely different lingos, and you have to learn this whole new system. Um, yeah. I mean, no, I mean, I'd be fine with Russ Calloway. I, I'm not going to be upset about Russ Calloway. Yeah, I don't. I agree I'm with just, you and Preston where I'm like, this. that's not exciting at all. I get it. Right. That's that's kind of my point is that like. But I don't think you, you know, necessarily. I know, I know Kendall Bryles is a really good play caller and runs a really good system. Yeah. I know that for a fact. And I actually disagree with Preston where he says uh, that Joe Moorhead is like this complete uh, 180 of a offensive system type thing. Cause he actually, uh, Joe Brady came from the Joe Moorhead right. coaching tree right. and he learned a lot of his shit from coach. That's Mo- I, I from remember Joe hearing Moorhead. that too. And I don't think that what Joe Moorhead did at Mississippi state is a reflection of the kind of coach he wants to be. Right. Because you go back to his days at Penn state, uh, with Trace McSorley, mm-hmm. they were pretty wide open. Yeah. And Saquon Barkley and all that, and they had a really good running game. Mm-hmm. Uh, Oregon here still. I mean, Oregon's... Right, and dude, I mean, Nick Fitzgerald just could not throw the freaking ball. Yeah. And they, you I, know, like, there's only so much you can do when that's your quarterback, and he didn't recruit Nick Fitzgerald. That was that's really just, confusing. That's just what he had. That was really confusing to watch a team like... Because I actually saw Mississippi State earlier in that year, same year, they were playing like Kansas State, and they were open. And they were scoring. They were, I mean, yeah. it was it was a wide open attack. Mm-hmm. And then when they got to the, the LSU game, it was like everything was like a shell. And I don't know what happened. Right. Like, I don't know if Nick Fitzgerald was hurt. Maybe I don't know. Mm-hmm. And they just tried to keep it, but it was like run the ball, run the ball, run the ball. Right. Like that's weird. Yeah. Um, I think it's going to be interesting with the offensive coordinator hire. If you start hearing names like Joe Moorhead. Um, Joe Lombardi, guys like that that are in that Saints tree. Mm-hmm. That's I'd be great with that. That's why though, is because they don't want to change up that scheme. Uh-huh. Who's who's the who's the other guy? Uh, I think he's Saints wide receivers coach. Um, oh, you start about uh, Curtis Johnson. Curtis Johnson. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, him and uh, Ogeron are buddies. I've always thought about Curtis Johnson as a wide receiver coach at LSU. That makes sense. But I don't know about him as a, an offensive coordinator. Mm-hmm. Passing game coordinator? Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. Um, um, th- I, like, there's a handful of guys that I'd be good with at there's, passing game coordinator. Well, and there's I don't also, even know if I would like Joe Lombardi at offensive coordinator. Well, I don't think he's going to come unless he does get an offensive right. coordinator. Right. Yeah. That's, um, I, that's he's a quarterback's coach in the NFL. Right. But I, there are some offensive coordinators that aren't going to require a <laughs> passing game coordinator. 
you could get a guy like Joe Moorhead that's like, I don't need a passing game coordinator. I am the passing game coordinator. Uh-huh. Um, there are that that option, too, and sure. it gives you another on-field assistant coach. We're uh-huh. just so used to the passing game coordinator position because of Joe Brady yeah. making it famous for us because we never had it before. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we were like, what the fuck is that? <laughs> uh, I think it was Jerry Sullivan was the other. Yeah, Jerry Sullivan was the passing was like, game coordinator eh, before. Is he, I mean, he's he, just basically I teaching route I running. I, I don't know what the hell he was doing, man. Um, but I've said this before, and I'm pretty strong on this, that 2019, it's not just – obviously, we had stars all over the field. Um, but you had a different type of preparation that year. Um, we talked about the, the summer of 10,000 catches. Yeah. Um, there was a lot of details. I mean, obviously, we weren't dropping balls um, – that year like we we saw a little bit more this year um but there was also a a different culture on the offensive side it felt like there was a lot of confidence I don't know exactly where that came from um but I do contribute a little bit of that to Joe Brady Mm -hmm. um Reading a little bit in that uh, in that book as well, um, dude. Nearly all of it I contribute to. Joe so Brady. part of part of that book, um, right after the, he's basically like like he put in this new system, um, mm-hmm. and everybody immediately got excited. Yeah, um, everybody was excited to go to practice. Mm-hmm. Everybody was excited to run these plays. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody could could just feel the energy from from what he was doing. Sure, because uh, they knew it was going to work. Yeah. Um, and there was a confidence level that the entire that that went down a little bit this mm-hmm. year, um, but you saw it coming back at the end of the year. Yeah, and we posted this stupid video of Russ Calloway dancing in the, in the locker room, but yeah. that's a little bit of that stuff no, that I, we didn't see all year. I feel that. Yeah. I feel that. I mean, and, and I look, he was an offense coordinator at Sanford. I get it, um, but I'm. I I also think part of uh, something that's going to give the team a spark is getting Scott Linehan the fuck out of there. I agree. I think he was just because I, <laughs> I was listening to Garrett Nussmeyer on off the bench, and he was talking about uh, the Florida game. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was like the week after the Florida game, and he was talking about uh, the job. They asked him about like what he thought about uh, the job Max Johnson did, and he was like, "Oh yeah, I think he did a really good job. Uh, Coach Ensminger and Coach Callaway really did a good job mm-hmm. preparing him for that game. Didn't even mention Scott Linehan." who he has a connection with right. through his father. Right. Uh, I thought that was weird. Basically, Callaway passed up Linehan in the middle yeah. of the season. It's, Russ Callaway was the, like, I mean, he was basically the passing game coordinator towards the yeah. end of the year. And if you if you remember a little bit, Russ, Russ Callaway wasn't as known, but I, I, I had to go back and look it up a little bit more because he was sought after to be, he had some on-the-field role, like, um openings that came up that he could have taken at other schools. And I don't know how big of the schools are or mm-hmm. anything like that, but there were other options for him not to be an analyst. Yeah. He came here to be an analyst to grow and then come up and be the next level. Right. But well, I think a lot of people saw what happened with Joe Brady. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. They want the next level. Yeah. I mean, you could be an offensive coordinator here and then be it's an the offensive coordinator. And then you could be a, in two years, you could be an NFL head coach possibly. Yeah. <laughs> Heck yeah, and you're still in your 30s. Uh huh. I mean, I've, absolutely. So it's the same reason people go to Alabama to be an analyst. Exact same reason. Yeah. Because you like, you're an analyst there. They promote you to coordinator. Next year, you're a head coach. That's kind of what I'm thinking. I mean, he Preston mentioned it too. Uh, you know, a guy like, 
And I was throwing uh, Derek Mason out there. I think Derek Mason would actually be a good hire, um, but I understand why he probably isn't looked at um, mm-hmm. as highly. Um, I just think that it would work. I think the culture fit would be perfect for him. But um, from what I've understood, that Derek Mason could be the one reaching out to LSU more than mm-hmm. LSU's reaching out to Derek Mason. Right, but there were reports that we did give him an interview. Right? Oh, everybody's been interviewed. <laughs> Stupid. No, but if Derek Mason really wants to come, hire him as an analyst. Yeah. Bring him on. That's yeah. what Alabama does. Yeah. Like, I would love it. Stack those guys. Yeah. Kevin Sumlin just got fired. Bring him on as an analyst. Absolutely. There's I would a, take him in a heartbeat yeah, as an analyst. Absolutely. Uh, who else? Who else? Let these fired? guys Let's get them. Like rehabilitate themselves uh-huh. here. Why do they always have to do it at Alabama? Yeah. Uh, it's, and it's obviously because of Saban, and mm-hmm. they want to learn from Saban. Um, but let them come here. And, I mean, it's still a championship program. Yeah, come learn from Coach O. Yeah. Who, who wouldn't want to learn how to cook gumbo with, mm-hmm. with cocoa? Um, all right, guys. We're going to wrap it up. Uh, we're going to wrap it up short tonight. Real short. An hour and 39 minutes is where I'm at. Oh, that's um, it. So special shout-out again to Courtesy Buick GMC, Brandon Lejean. We're going to post all of his information on our Facebook page. Go reach out to him. Follow him on Facebook. And Bear Process Safety, the big orange bear doing work in Baton Rouge. Give him a holler. Um, with that, guys. Oh, wait, hold on. Big Orange Bear, Catholic High, just won state championship. They did. Big Orange Bear. Uh, congratulations, Coach Gabe Fertitta. Yeah, my guys. Uh, three state championships now, In the correct? last, like, Th- five four or years. six years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was, like, four years. Is it four? Three out of the last Man, four? That might be right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Man, that was a big one. Yeah, that was awesome. That was a good one. Um, congratulations, Coach. Congratulations, uh, Landon O'Connor, one yeah, of our OG guy. listeners. Um, Catholic High. Uh, we're the official um, uh, podcast of Kerr Dog Football, football. Yeah, and we do go. want some Kerr Dog sweatshirts yeah, that Coach Gabe had on. You have to make a call. Yeah, I'll, I'll make the call. All right. Um, with that, guys, <laughs> it is one team, one podcast. Logging out. We showed you what the GOAT was last year when we beat y'all 50 to 7. Relax, big boy. One team, one podcast. One team, one podcast. One team, one podcast. Yeah, they did a good job. Yeah. Why is he so fat? One team, one podcast. One team, one podcast. One team, one podcast. Go Tigers.